Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. Let's all give careful attention to the public reading of God's word. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock and it is scattered. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. This is the command I received from my Father. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word to each of our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your word, which is truth, and who has called us to engage in the study of that word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bless this word to our hearts, our minds, our wills, that we might grow in our knowledge of you and ourselves and the world that you have made, that we might more enjoy the calling that you have given to us, and that we might honor you more along the path of life. Praying in the name of the Lord Jesus, your Son and our Savior, who together with you and the Holy Spirit reigns as one God forever and ever. Amen. Be seated, please. Well, we continue our series in the Gospel of John on the I am statements that Jesus made. Now, Jesus said I am uh, a number of times, but there are seven texts where Jesus says I am And then a predicate follows, and most of the time the predicate is some kind of metaphor. Uh, We've seen that this is all rooted in Exodus chapter 3, when God says to Moses, say, I am has sent you. And when Jesus is saying, I am, he is claiming to be the Lord God of Israel, uh, the God and Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've already reflected on the fact that Jesus said, I am the bread. I am the light. I am the gate. And I am the gate is in the verses immediately preceding the verses that we're looking at today. It's all part of a longer discourse of Jesus. And uh, this morning we're looking at I am the good shepherd. Now I hope you noticed in the uh, public reading of the scriptures, it was twice in this text that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And immediately after that, he provides some kind of qualification to help us understand a little bit more about what he means when he says, I am the good shepherd. So since Jesus said, I am the good shepherd twice, how about if I have two points in my sermon this morning? First of all, verses 11 to 13. 
Notice in verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. First of all, Jesus being the good shepherd means he's the one who lays down his life for the sheep. And while the meaning of that might seem obvious, maybe there's a little bit more than meets the eye. There's a basic meaning that Jesus is getting at when he says, uh, I lay down my life for the sheep. And we can see that in the verses that follow because Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep and I am not like the hired hand. He's unlike the hired hand. He is unlike the hired hand who doesn't own the sheep and who therefore has a certain attitude toward the sheep that is not like the shepherd who owns the sheep. Now, I remember growing up in my dad's cabinet shop, learned a lot about life, not just about how to build stuff out of wood, although that's wonderful in and of itself, but I learned a lot about life from all those years of working by my dad's side. And uh, my dad had a number of people work with him over the years in the shop, Uh, sometimes even to the extent of trying to turn over part of the uh, business to these folks. And I just remember my dad often saying, you know, Mark, there's a difference between the owner of a small business and the people that work for the small business. They don't treat it the same way that the owner does. And uh, that's Jesus saying the same thing here. Now, to be sure, there are exceptions, aren't there? How many, I, I'm, too many times I have gone into a small business and I've said to somebody who's been uh, taking care of me, I've said, do you own this business? And they would say no. And I would say, well, you could have surprised me because you treat this business as if it's your own. So certainly there are plenty of exceptions. I've experienced them. You've experienced them. Jesus is speaking in generalities as my father was. There's a difference between the one who owns the sheep and the hired hand who really is there for a job but doesn't really care about the business, whatever it is. And in this case, it's the business of the sheep. So unlike the hired hand... Uh, Jesus said, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks and the flock is scattered. The man runs away because he is a hired hand. Now notice, and cares nothing for the sheep. See, on a basic level, when Jesus is saying that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life, he's saying he's not like the hired hand who cares nothing for the sheep, which means at a fundamental level, when Jesus says, I lay down my life, he's simply saying that he cares for the sheep. Uh, Sometimes I get lyrics to songs confused. There's an old hymn, and I, I think the hymn is, No One Understands Like Jesus. Does that ring a bell? I wish it were no one cares like Jesus. That's what I thought the song was, but then with reflection, I said, no, I I think it's no one understands like Jesus. But save that. That's good for the next point anyhow. But Jesus is your shepherd. He's your good shepherd. What does that mean for you? That means he cares for you. 
Now, sometimes there's a little mystery in the Good Shepherd, isn't there? Sometimes we don't always understand the nature of his care. Sometimes we're perplexed. Sometimes we grieve. Sometimes we're angry. All because we don't understand the way we want to understand the nature of our shepherd's care. That's okay. We're humans, yes, which means we're finite, yes. We don't understand all things. God's infinite. We shouldn't be surprised if we don't always understand his ways. Plus, we're sinful, and our thinking is often skewed and not in line with God's word. So if there are times when you don't understand how it is that Jesus is the good shepherd caring for you, well, that's okay. That's part of our pilgrimage. But keep walking. And keep walking by faith with the affirmation that Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for you all along life's journey. Whether that journey is taking you to Virginia Or maybe whether that's taking you to unknown places over the next six years where you, by the way, just as a father to a father, mother, a son. I remember when my son signed up for the uh, Air Force about 10 years ago. And uh, now this might not be true for everybody. That was the best decision he ever made. He's 10 years in. He's in his 11th year And what a remarkable experience. It's such a growing experience, a maturing experience, a career-building experience. Uh, So I trust it'll be the same for you as well as it's been for uh, for my son. Uh, But uh, Clayton's right. God, wherever we go, God is there. And he's not only there in general. He's there as the good shepherd. He cares for you. No one cares for me I'm going to use it anyhow. I'm going to change the lyrics (laughs) like Jesus does. So on a basic level, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying simply that I'm a God who cares for you. In in Ezekiel 11, 16, the Lord says, I'm going to raise up a shepherd over the land who will not care for the lost or seek the young or heal the injured or feed the healthy but will eat the meat of the choice sheep. That's a travesty. But it was true back in the Old Testament where there are shepherds of the flock of God who don't really care for the sheep. They really care for themselves. It's true today as well. God help us as ministers. If we ever lose our way and we don't care for the sheep, but rather care more about ourselves. But that's not Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for the lost. He seeks the young. He heals the injured. He feeds the healthy. He lays down his life for the sheep. But in a fuller sense, when Jesus says he's the good shepherd who lays down his life... We have to keep reading, as I did in the text, in verses 17 and 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay 
it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. So now when Jesus is contrasting laying down his life with taking it up, he's contrasting his death and his resurrection. So while on one level Jesus as your good shepherd means that he cares for you, the deepest way that he has cared for you is not just his willingness to lay down his life, but his actual laying down of his life for you. That's why in John 10.10, earlier, the verse before our text, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus has come so that you might have life to the full in this life and in the life to come. But there's only one way he could bring you into that abundant life now and forevermore. And the irony is he gives you life through death. It's because he's willing to lay down his life in his crucifixion that he can be the one who gives you life in all of its abundance in this life and in the life to come. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No, I didn't plan it. Uh, But it is fortuitous, is it not? That the sermon text in the celebration of the Lord's Supper uh, dovetail, sorry for the woodworking metaphor, so nicely. That we have the opportunity not only to hear about Jesus laying down his life, but to experience it in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Well, Jesus not only says... Wow, I'm really long. It's 12.15 already. Sorry about that. And now everybody's going to turn around and look at the clock. (laughs) Jesus also says, I am the good shepherd who knows and is known. Notice in verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Not, and I lay down my life, but I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. And this is a most intimate knowledge. Note all the first persons. I know. Notice Jesus says in verse 14, I know my sheep. See the first person pronouns? My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, And I know my Father. I lay down my life. Jesus focuses on all those first-person pronouns because he wants you to know how intimate this knowledge is of the shepherd and the sheep. And uh, notice also how he focuses your attention on the knowing. I know my sheep. My sheep know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. See, here he's focusing your attention not on the fact that he lays down his life, but that he knows you and he is known by you. In Jeremiah 31, God promises the time would come when there would be a new covenant. And it would not be like the old covenant in certain fundamental ways. 
And when God promises us the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, 34, notice he says, No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Notice how this knowing is connected again with the forgiveness of sins. It's because Jesus knows you as the Father knows him that he then says, I'm going to lay down my life. Uh, He's laying down his life for you because he knows you intimately. And he knows not only your strengths, but he also knows your weaknesses. He not only knows the Facebook you, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if life really were like Facebook makes it out to be? Everybody's children are the best. They're all the most successful. Of course, with me, it is the case that my granddaughter is the most beautiful. But other than that's the one exception. Really, but, but that's the genre of Facebook, right? It's not, that's one part of our lives, yes? And it's the part that we share publicly. And Jesus, as your good shepherd, knows all of that about you. And he, he enjoys it because he's blessed you with all of that. And he also knows your darkest secrets that you would never put on Facebook. The darkest secrets that you wouldn't even share with your spouse or your closest friend. The darkest secrets that you don't even want to face yourself. Your good shepherd knows you intimately. If you wonder about that, just take some time this afternoon and read Psalm 139 which talks about how intimate God's knowledge of you is. And you know, he does know you at your best and at your worst. And in spite of the fact that he knows you at your worst, he didn't say, well, I'm, I'm going to walk away from these sheep. No, you see, that's not the good shepherd who cares for the sheep. See, he cares for you so much, even in his deepest knowledge of you that he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. If you didn't have those dark secrets, why would he have had to come? He came because of the darkness inside of us. He didn't come because of the light. He came because of the darkness. He came to redeem the darkness. What a wonderful savior you have. What a wonderful shepherd, a good shepherd who knows you just as you are. I I was listening to, I I have a lot of playlists on my iPod. My iPod's one of those real old ones that you can't get an adapter for anymore, so I hope it never goes. But I have this playlist called Christian Harmonica. And uh, because my favorite instrument is uh, the harmonica. And uh, people uh, like Charlie McCoy, um, you've probably never heard of Charlie McCoy. He was a, the purest harmonica player I've ever heard. Uh, but he played, he was a studio musician for his whole career in Nashville. So studio musicians, phenomenal, accomplished musicians, but we never know their names uh, because it's a front person. There's got to be a sermon in there somewhere, huh? Um, but I'm listening. And, uh, and one of the songs that Charlie McCoy is playing is Just As I Am. 
Uh, and I know for some of us that kind of has some negative connotations because we, when we were young, every Sunday sat through all 20 verses. Uh, I've been there, I've done that. But just think about the profundity. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. See, that, that's your good shepherd. He, he, not for good that you have done, but because of the darkness and because of the sin that we have committed. He knows all of that. And so you can be honest as you come to him today. You can be honest before him, knowing that he's the good shepherd who knows you intimately. And he's laid down his life for you. He knows you and you know him as the Father and the Son know each other. Jesus said, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. What an intimate knowledge there is beyond our comprehension. The knowledge of God the Father and God the Son through all eternity. And that's what Jesus likens his knowledge of you too, and your knowledge of him. And of course, your knowledge of him is growing, isn't it? How many of us, how many of us, is the church at the place where we can say experientially, Jeremiah 31 is fulfilled? If it is, why, what am I doing up here? You see, like the language of new creation, the language of new covenant The new creation is here, and there's more to come. The new covenant is here, and there's more to come. We still are all in process, growing. God could have given you perfect knowledge of him when he justified you, but he's okay having you grow into your knowledge of him. And if he's okay with it, you can be okay with it too. Don't be so hard on yourself that you don't know everything you need to know. None of us do. We're all growing. And God's built it into the system that you go from where you are to where he wants you to be, and that takes a lifetime. We're all lifetime disciples of Christ growing in our knowledge of him. So earlier in John chapter 10, Jesus said, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow because they know his voice. So keep listening for your good shepherd's voice. Follow him. It leads you to eternal life. He's the good shepherd who knows and is known. It's an intimate knowledge. And in the last verse 16, it's a unifying knowledge. Notice that verse 16 says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Notice the contrast again with verse 11. What does the hired hand do? The hired hand scatters the sheep. That's not the good shepherd. The good shepherd doesn't scatter. The good shepherd gathers the sheep into one. I know my own, he says, and I have others as well. 
Now, what does that mean? I think we get a clear hint from the next chapter in John. In John 12, 20, and uh, 21, 22, 23, we read, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request, Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. That's strange. Jesus, there are some Greeks who want to see you. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. If we keep reading in John and go to 17.1, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. See, when Jesus sees the Greeks coming, he knows it's time for his glorification. And then he prays that high priestly prayer in John 17. Father, now is the time for me to be glorified. Verses 20 to 23, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. That is the disciples who were with me. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That includes the Greeks. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I once had a conversation with a reformed professor at a seminary, not RTS, not Westminster in Philadelphia, but another seminary. And I wouldn't believe this if I hadn't have heard it in a personal conversation. But this professor told me that he doubted that Baptists could be Christians. Because their understanding of the covenant is so faulty that he didn't understand how they could be justified. I had another conversation sometime back with a Roman Catholic priest who had been a Presbyterian in his former life. And he said to me, when I became a Catholic priest, there's one thing I couldn't buy. He said, I couldn't buy the fact that there's no salvation outside the Roman Catholic Church. I couldn't buy the fact that my Presbyterian family was not part of the family of God. Now I ask you, which one of those two better represents the spirit of the good shepherd? Go and do thou likewise. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The good shepherd gathers people who are not like us so that there is one fold with one shepherd. And what God has joined together, let us not separate. It's because Jesus is the good shepherd who gathers the sheep that we make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Well, having heard about your good shepherd who cares for you, 
and who knows you and is known by you, you now have the wonderful opportunity to see the Good Shepherd, to touch Him, to smell Him, to taste Him, the one who cares for you, the one who knows you. We all know that some of the, some of the most intimate times of fellowship that we have with family and friends are around the table, yes? Good food, good friends, good fellowship. And the, way, the reason why we know that is because God's just wired us to work that way. Are we surprised that he invites us to that, that fellowship with the good shepherd in the table of the Lord? The, um, the Belgic Confession, Article 35, is talking about the Lord's Supper. And it's talking about the fact that God feeds us with spiritual and heavenly bread for the nourishment of our souls. And in particular, it says, to represent to us this spiritual and heavenly bread, Christ has instituted an earthly and visible bread as the sacrament of his body, and wine as the sacrament of his blood. He did this to testify to us that just as we take and hold the sacraments in our hands, eat it with our mouths, we could add smell it, taste it, by which our life is then sustained, so truly we receive into our souls for our spiritual life the true body and the true blood of Christ, our only Savior. We receive these by faith, which is the hand and the mouth of our souls. God is such a master teacher Uh, He invented flannel graph lessons long before you and I had flannel graph in Sunday school. See, he knew it's one thing to communicate through words, important, can't do without it. But he's also the quintessential illustrator. And in his marvelous love and wisdom, he gives us the Lord's flannel graph lesson. He makes visible to us, but not only visible, tangible, to hold in our hands. I encourage you to smell the wine, to taste, to experience with all of your senses, because this is God's ordained way of using, what does it say? The earthly and the visible. To reinforce to your invisible soul that Jesus is the good shepherd who has laid down his life for you because he knows you and wonder of wonders, he still cares for you. And he's the one who, he's the one who gathers. So there's hope, yes? That broken relationship, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's with friends, maybe it's with coworkers, Maybe maybe it's with a believer from another congregation. You see, there's hope. There's hope for reconciliation. There's hope for restoration. Why? Because Jesus 
is the good shepherd. And he has sheep, not just you, but them as well. And he, his goal is that you, with them, whoever your them is, may be part of one flock under one good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would seal this word to our hearts. And we pray that even as we go to celebrate the supper together, you would further seal uh, the truth of Christ as our good shepherd to our hearts and souls, that our faith might grow, that we might be better equipped to hear his voice and follow him and make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We pray this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen.